Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to The Jar. My name is Chris, and we're so glad you chose to hang out with us today. Uh, several years ago, I was in my office, and all of a sudden, I started having some heart palpitations. And to be honest, when it first took place, I thought I was, like, dying. Uh, I thought there was something horrible uh, kind of going on uh, in my world and in my life, and I wasn't sure what to do. I had a lot of anxiety uh, going on, and uh, I was just very, very concerned uh, about that. And in the midst of all of this, I was preparing for a teaching in which... Uh, I had done this many times before. I, I mean, for decades, I had pre- been preparing for a teaching uh, for that week, just like the one today. But for some reason, on that particular uh, Sunday, I, I, or as I was preparing for that Sunday, I was just so anxious. And uh, for a couple of weeks, though, I didn't tell anyone. I just kind of did my own thing because um, anxiety sometimes just doesn't Makes sense, does it? And so I thought, well, that's it. But I was having these like physical kind of uh, uh, issues that were going on. And one day I was rubbing my chest uh, where my heart sat when all of a sudden my wife Jennifer noticed it and she said, what's going on? And I just lost it. I I broke down and I started telling her exactly uh, what had been happening. And when I shared with her my symptoms, uh, my wife is a physician, and sometimes she can be pushy, you know? Like, I I love my wife, but sometimes she can be just a little pushy. And so she made an appointment with my doctor uh, the next day, and so I went to meet with him. Now, when I went to go see the doctor... Uh, he said, well, Chris, I think we need to do a stress test. Ha- have any of you ever had a stress test before? Anybody? Yeah, yeah. I don't know why they call it stress test because it just makes you more stressful, you know. Um, but they do. What This is what they do with the stress test. Uh, they take you to a, a special room in the office where Satan lives. <laughs> and uh, then they hook you up to this demonic device called a treadmill and they have you walk and if you can't eventually run and they elevate it until you finally can't go anymore and while I was on this uh, treadmill I started panicking like what if this really is my heart what if I have a heart attack like right on the treadmill what if I die today well I finished the test and we We're hoping for good results, but they came back abnormal. And so Jennifer got very concerned, and I became extremely concerned because of my uh, family lineage. You see, my grandmother on my dad's side died of a heart attack. My grandmother and my grandfather on my mom's uh, side died of a heart attack, and both of my parents are on heart medication. And so we were extremely concerned. And so they did a second test for my heart called a cardiolite. And this created even more anxiety for me because they put this dye through your veins to try to see everything that's going on. But luckily for me, everything came back fine and my heart was in good shape. 
But I'll never forget the doctor walking into the office and saying, Chris, your heart is fine, but you have an overload of anxiety and stress in your life. Do you have an overload of anxiety in your life? Have you ever battled with anxiety before? Maybe you're anxious about a relationship or you're anxious about your kids or you're anxious about your health, anxious about your finances. If you're a student, maybe you're anxious about school. If you're married, maybe you're anxious about your marriage. Maybe if you're single, you find yourself being anxious in your singleness. Can I just be real with you today? Can I? What I want you to understand is that that the series that we're going to be talking about over these next four weeks is not based upon my strength. It's actually based upon my weakness. You see, you might look up here and you think that I glow in the dark. Ah... He's super pastor, able to leap tall buildings with a single bound. But I'm not. I'm a scaredy cat pastor. And I have battled anxiety for my entire life. I have faced some real deep seasons of anxiety. And one of those we're going to use throughout this, season, or throughout this series. Now, uh, there's a guy in the Bible by the name of Paul who wrote close to half of the New Testament, the second half of the Bible. And uh, he gives us a phrase that is just an amazing phrase. And this is what he says. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. And when I hear that verse of Scripture, this is what I think. Say, what? Like, seriously? I mean, how is that even possible? I mean, is it possible to not be anxious about anything? I mean, just think about the last 18 months that we have experienced as a world with this pandemic. It has not created peace, has it? But panic. And anxiety is all around us. And from the pandemic, it is filtered into other areas of our world and especially within our nation with racial unrest and relational discords of family arguments because of different things and community arguments and arguments on Facebook and in our political world and all over the place. And then with the virus itself, it's created a sense of sickness and tragedy and hospitalization and death. And aren't you glad you came to church today? Because our world, folks, is just filled with this anxiety. And it feels almost like, especially over the last 18 months, that we're on this island and we wonder if we're ever going to get off. So, is it even possible to be anxious for nothing? I mean, is it possible to be anxious for nothing? And so, we're going to try to answer that question today by looking at a story 
of a guy in the Bible who's very much like me and maybe like you as well. And he's a person who loved God, he served God, he cared for God, he was faithful to God. He had seen God's provision and protection in his life for years and years and years. And yet, he also was massively overwhelmed with anxiety in his life. And his name is Elijah. He was a prophet, a pastor of his day. And let me give you a little bit of background to his story. One day... Elijah confronted an evil king, a guy by the name of King Ahab. He just went to him and he called out the sins in his life because God had asked him to do that. And then he said, and because of this, God is going to cause a drought on your kingdom that is going to last for years. Now, if you're a king of a country and someone comes to you and says you're going to have a drought pretty soon, that guy's not your favorite person. And he was not his favorite person. King Ahab hated Elijah for doing this. And immediately after he left his uh, palace, he got his army together and said, we're going after him. And for three years, Elijah was on the run. He would hide in caves. He would hide in caverns. He would do anything to stay away from this evil king. Although during this time, Elijah was faithful, he was on the run. And then, this is the weird thing. A grumpy woman comes to him one day and gets in his grill and he falls apart. He just absolutely falls apart. And... Ahab was so bad and so evil, but this is what I need you to know. He was not as bad or as evil as his wife. His wife was so bad that she made him look like a saint. She made him look like Mother Teresa. I mean, this lady was nasty and mean, and her name was Jezebel. And when she came into the picture, she looked at her husband and said, you've been doing this for three years? Well, let a woman take care of it. And the woman said, I am going to take this guy out. We are going to kill Elijah. And when word gets to Elijah that Queen Jezebel is going to take him out, he loses it. Anxiety fills him to the max, and he thinks to himself, there's no way I'm going to make it. And maybe he started spiraling with just a little anxiety, and it got bigger and bigger to a point of depression and being overwhelmed. And maybe some of you are experiencing that, or you have at some point in your life. And so here's the story. In 1 Kings chapter 19, starting in verse 3, we read, Elijah was afraid. He's freaking out. He's anxious. And so he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went on a long day's journey into the wilderness. Now think about that. The anxiety kicks in, he's overwhelmed, and he runs into the wilderness. The scripture goes on. He came to a broom bush, sat under it, and prayed that he might die. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes anxiety can get to the point where you're just like, I just wish I could 
not be here. It gets overwhelming. Notice how irrational that is, though. This woman is after him, and, and he's like, I'm ready to die. That's the way anxiety is sometimes. It's very, very irrational. And Elijah's biggest fear is of this Jezebel, who he's never even had close to him. And now, though, he wants to die. And he is struggling big time. And then he said the words that so many of us have said before. He says these words, I have had enough, Lord. I have had enough. If you would, turn to the person beside you right now and just tell them, I have had enough. Go ahead. Those of you on the stream, do the same thing. I have had enough. I've had enough. I just can't take it anymore. I'm at the end of my rope. I've had enough, Lord. And then this passage ends by him saying this, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Today, I have a feeling that maybe some of you that are on the stream, maybe some of you who are here in the auditorium, you've hit that point. I've had enough. I'm done. I'm over it. I've had enough. Maybe for some of you, you're like, I've had enough of COVID. I'm just done, God. I just, I just can't deal with this anymore. I'm anxious and I'm overwhelmed and I've had enough, Lord. Maybe for some of you, it's in your workplace. Your workplace is very toxic right now. You hate uh, a lot of the things that are going on. There are people that you dislike. People are backbiting all the time, but you can't get out of the job. But you're saying to uh, God, you're saying, Lord, I've had enough. Maybe for others of you, it's your finances. You're just barely paying the bills. You're barely making ends meet. And then all of a sudden, the toilet starts overflowing. You ever been there before? You're like, what? Serious? The toilet. So you have to call a plumber, and the plumber comes in, and it costs a whole bunch of money. And you're just like, I've had enough, Lord. Maybe you're in a relationship right now, and you keep trying and trying and trying, but the person that you're in the relationship just keeps deceiving you more and more and more again, and you're like, I've had enough, Lord. Maybe you're a student, middle school, high school, in college, and you put all of the pressure that's going on in your studies and trying to have friends and peer pressure, and you're just like, I've had enough, Lord, maybe for some of you, you're a single parent and you're trying to balance this whole thing between I'm trying to work and yet I'm also trying to take care of my kids. And then the two year old one day picks up a Tic Tac and puts it up its nose and you got to go to the ER to get it removed and you have to spend all of the ER money that you had for something else to pay them off. And you're like, Lord, I've had enough. Well, this is where Elijah was at. And he got to the point, I've had enough. For me, it was just a teaching that I was getting ready to do. And I became so anxious and overwhelmed that I was like, I've had enough, Lord. Now, I had done hundreds and hundreds of teachings before. But for whatever reason, this time, I just couldn't do it. I had had enough, Lord. I can't take it anymore. 
And I started to have chest pains. And I'd had enough. Well, in our story of Elijah, what I want you to notice is that as he's going through this difficult time, there are actually some mistakes that he made that increased his anxiety. Because that's what happens to you and I. We get anxious about something, but then we start walking through our life and we add to the anxiety more things to it than we need to. I've made this mistake myself many times. Maybe you have as well. And so for the rest of our time, I just want to give to you four things that lead us to say, I've had enough. Four things to say, I've had enough. Here's the first one. This is your first fill-in. For those of you that are on the stream, you can do it on the app. Uh, For those of you here on the app or in your program, here's the first one. We run ourselves into the ground. We run ourselves into the ground. That's what increases sometimes our anxiety and allows us to say, I've had enough. In the story of Elijah, he becomes so afraid for his life. If you remember, the scripture says that he ran to Beersheba. Now, Beersheba was not like just going to Yorktown, okay? Uh, It wasn't like, you know, just going to Gaston. It was actually a hundred miles away. He was like Forrest Gump. I mean, he started runs like, run, Forrest, run. You know, it's like, uh, Elijah, run, Elijah, run. And so he takes off running because he's so anxious. He does four marathons in a row and he's exhausted and he wears himself out. Now, at the beginning of the teaching, I talked about the fact that I woke up one day And I went to the office like I did many times before. And when I got there, I started feeling these heart palpitations as I'm just sitting at the office. Now, what I didn't tell you is what my life looked like leading up to that moment. Uh, Now, I'm not saying my life is any harder than anyone else's. All of us have our own stuff. I want everybody to know that. All of us have our own stuff. But sometimes life can be pretty overwhelming. And this was a season where the church was growing. Things were moving very quickly. And I was working six days a week. On Mondays, I would get up and start working on emails or anything I could to reach out to people from Sunday. Sunday night, we had small group. Tuesday, I worked all day. And then in the evening, I would go take a new person out. On Wednesdays, we had prayer night every single week. And so I would help lead that. On Thursdays, we had family night, but my mind was always somewhere else rather than with the family. And then on Friday mornings, I would get up early in the morning and work on the teaching all day long until I finished it till late in the evening Many times not seeing the family. And then Saturday we did Surf Fest, which is awesome. And we started it back again. You'll want to be a part of Surf Fest uh, in November. But we just go out and we do random acts of kindness to people, whether it's uh, passing out cookies or uh, some, some other form of uh, kind act to people. And then I'd go and do the teaching on Sunday and I would just do it all over again and again. Now, what I didn't tell you either is that during this season we had two children. 23 months is the time between the two of them. So we had a toddler and we had an infant. And let's just put it this way. My wife, Jennifer, was not Jezebel, but she wanted to kill me. She was not happy with the pace of my life. And also, in the midst of all this, I was pushing our staff as hard as I could. And I pushed them to a point that in nine months... Our worship leader, our children's director, our secretary, and our financial director 
all resigned and left the church. And I was like, Lord. And I worked really hard, though. I just kept working and working. And we filled those four positions. And after we had done that, I just collapsed. I was done. I fell apart. I had run myself into the ground. Folks, let me tell you, some of you right now, that's where you're at. Some of you right now are running yourself way too hard. And you don't even recognize the symptoms of what is going on because you're so anxious and overwhelmed. And why are you? Because you're running yourself into the ground. And that's what Elijah did in this moment. And maybe, maybe this is a 911 for some of you. The second thing that can lead us to say, I've had enough, is we shut people out. Did you notice in the story of Elijah who he shut out? There was a person that was with him. The scripture just says he was what? He was his servant. His servant. He, he left his servant. His closest person in that culture, your most trusted friend, would be if you were wealthy enough to have a servant. That person was the person you were closest to. And he said no to his trusted friend. He said, I don't need you anymore. I'm going to run off and handle this myself. And as I shared earlier, for a couple of weeks, I didn't let anyone know what was going on in my world at all. Not even my wife. In my mind, I was a pastor. I had to have it all together. I had to make sure that I could handle this. And I wasn't going to let anyone else know how much I was hurting. You know, folks, that's dumb. That's just dumb. And we don't have dumb people here at the jar. We have smart people here at the jar. And the smartest people I know are people who get into small groups. That's why they exist. No one should ever stand alone. And so I want to encourage you that in just this series, just for the next four weeks, that you would consider being a part of a small group. Just for four weeks to say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make a commitment. You're only asking for one to two hours where you're meeting with some people. You get some food. You get some encouragement. And you can sign up today on the app. And for those of you that are on the stream, we're actually having an online small group to help with this. So if you're still anxious or you're worried about coming back into bigger settings, we're going to have a group for you. And for each one of you, if you're not, we're going to have groups for you. And you can sign up at the Guest Connections or on the app today. Because, folks, life is better when we do it together rather than doing on our own. Don't be like Elijah and shut people out. Have you been shutting some people out from what's been going on? Get into a group. The third thing that often leads us to say, I've had enough, is we focus on the negative. Elisha said, you might remember this in the verse, he said, I've had enough, I'm no better than my fathers or my ancestors. Now what's that about? Well, when you look back on Elijah's history, the Israelites were very disobedient, and so was his parents, and he's like, well, this must just be me as well, and so I'm just blaming them too, and he goes negative. He goes big time negative. And that's what happens 
to us when we're dealing with anxiety. We have a tendency when we're overcome by anxiety to look at the negatives. My life is so hard. I hate my work. Things are going bad. I can't get this all done. Why are the kids acting like this? I can't stand these people. Why can't I get a date? I don't like my job. I don't like where I'm going. I'm always going to suffer like this for the rest of my life. I'm going to struggle the rest of my life. I'm always going to be broke for the rest of my life. And we focus on the negative, and that's what I was doing. In this season, I'm like, I've got all of these teachings that I've got to do. The staff is all left, and no one cares. No one's here for me. I'm on an island all by myself, and where is my help? I focus on the negative. And then finally, the fourth thing that we have a tendency to do is when we've hit that point where we're saying, I've had enough, we forget God. We simply Forget God. You know, every step of every moment, God had been faithful to Elijah and was present with them. But Elijah did what many of us do when we start feeling anxious about things. We feel anxious and we're like, I'm going to control this thing. I'm going to handle the problems on my own. And we don't include God. I'll take care of it. I don't have to include God. Let me just say this, folks. Every time you choose not to include God, you forget God. Every time you're choosing not to include God, you actually forget him. And that's what Elijah did. You know, for two decades, folks, I had done teaching after teaching after teaching. God had been present. God had been with me. But in that season of my life, over those couple of weeks of things that I was going, I did not turn to God. I was like, I can figure this out myself. I can handle my fears on my own. And I forgot God. Now, I think this is so ironic, especially when you think of what Elijah's name means. Elijah's name means, my God is my source. My God is my strength. My God is my sustainer. My God is my breath. In other words, every single time Elijah would walk around and he would think of his name or someone would say Elijah, immediately what would come to his mind is, God is near. My God is close. My God is my breath. And yet, even in knowing that God is near, Elijah forgets God. And when Elijah falls apart from all of his anxiety, when he says, I've had enough, Lord, I can't take it anymore, what did God do? Well, I want to show you what God did by continuing on with these verses of how God revealed himself. Scripture says this later on. It says, The Lord said to Elijah, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. Surely then he's in the earthquake. I mean, the earth is quaking, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. Surely he was in the fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. 
And after the fire came a gentle, what's the next word? Whisper. Just a gentle breath. His name. The Lord is my breath. I mean, the earth shook, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. The wind howled, but the Lord was not in the wind. And the fire raged, but the Lord was not in the fire. For a couple of my little older brothers here, earth, wind, fire. Where was the Lord? The Lord was in the whisper. The Lord was close. Paul also writes these words that we're going to be looking at through this entire series in Philippians chapter 4. He says this, Rejoice rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is what? The Lord is near. No matter what you're going through, this is what I need you to know. The Lord is near. And I want to show honor and respect to my bride who helped me through... Uh, that dark period, and honestly, has been with me through this whole time that we've been married of battling my anxiety. And uh, if you would, uh, please join me in welcoming uh, my wife, Jennifer. Uh, well, this is the best part of my teaching, because I get to sit, or stand, I guess, uh, closest to Uh, my best friend, and my bride. And no one has been closer with my battle of anxiety uh, than Jennifer has. And so um, we're going to do an illustration, just the two of us, uh, to kind of express what was going on in this story with Elijah. And uh, Jennifer, what I'd like you to do is look anxious, okay? Uh, Be stressed, Okay, try to be stressed. You live with me, so you can be stressed, I'm sure. And um, now, this is what I want you to know. God was not in the remarkable. He was in the ordinary. And when we're afraid, when we're scared, when we're hurting, sometimes I wonder to myself, why doesn't God just shout out to me exactly what I need to hear. Why doesn't he do that? Why does he whisper? He whispers because he's close. He whispers because he's near. Now, what does the devil do? The devil shouts accusations, condemnations. You're not good enough. You're never going to make it. You're never going to be anything. But what does God do? God whispers. 
does God whisper? Because he's near. He's close. Let's give Jen a hand. Now, this is the crazy thing about the story of Elijah. None of it happened. He was never killed by Jezebel or Ahab. In fact, both of them get taken out. He's not worried about anything at the end of his life because God took care of all of it. He was worrying and he was anxious about everything and it was all taken care of. Now, I have had anxiety where I have needed counseling. I've gone to counseling. Yeah, some of it. Great, our pastor's in counseling. Yeah, almost every single year. I'm going to counseling for something. Because if you want to be wise, you speak to the wise. If you want to be a turkey, go speak to a turkey. But I want to be wise, so I go to counseling regularly. There was a season of my life where I had to have medication. And medication sometimes is important. And I had to get on the medication and it worked and I got better and eventually I was able to get off the medication. But that's what I had experienced. Folks, anxiety is a very complex issue. But if you need help, get some help. It's not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of strength to get help. Folks, as I close, I simply want to share this. The greatest help that I've ever received in my battle with anxiety, although counseling was helpful, I encourage people to do that. Medicine sometimes is helpful. Go see your doctor. But the most important thing I've ever received is remembering these words that God is near. That he never leaves us, he never forsakes us, he never walks away from us. He is always present. He gives me peace when I'm anxious because he's with me. And maybe today you simply need to hear the whisper from God that says I'm close. Why does God whisper, folks? He whispers because he's close. Let's stand for closing prayer. Father, I pray right now for everyone here in the auditorium, everyone on the stream, that you would come close to them right now. God, I pray that they would hear your voice. Would you remind them, God, that you are close? that you are with them, that you are for them. And that God, even in the midst of severe trials, whether it's severe anxiety that they're going through or worry or fear or doubt or a sense of insecurity, God, send your peace from heaven to your people right now. You know, I was as transparent as I knew how to be today. And I want to 
invite you right now to a moment of transparency as well. Both of you on the stream and here in the auditorium as well. Is there a burden in your life that is weighing you down right now? Are you feeling crushed with something that's going on in your world? I want you to know that the Lord is near. And maybe as a sign of that, for you to say, I recognize that today, Chris, it's me, that I'm going through something, I'm struggling with something, but I know that the Lord is near. I know I don't have all the answers, but God, I'm not going to hide it anymore. I'm not going to keep it to myself. I'm not going to push people away. I'm not going to forget you, God. I need you in this, whether it's a big thing or a little thing. Would you just raise your hand and say, yep, that's me. God, I'm going through something, but I'm giving it to you right now. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your goodness. I pray right now for each person who is lifting their hand up to you, that you would be present with them. God, I pray that in your own way, that you would whisper to them, that they would know that they are not alone. God, I pray that they would be reminded that you care for them, that you are involved upstream, even in ways they can't see right now, and that you are working even though they don't sense it. I pray right now, God, through the power of Jesus Christ, God, that you would move in their life, that you would rest in their hearts and their souls and their minds. And God, in Jesus' name, you would move and give them a sense of your peace today. And finally, I simply want to talk to those of you that maybe have never had a relationship with God. Maybe you heard about this anxiety island from a commercial. Maybe you were invited by someone. Maybe you uh, saw it on a video. Maybe you just showed up today. But the reality is you're like, you know, I don't know about this relationship with God. This, this God thing's new to me. Well, this is what you need to know about the God of the Bible. Scripture says when you define who he is, this is the definition of God. God is love. He loves everyone, no matter who they are. And he says, I'll never walk away. I'll never leave you. And he loves you. And you're like, but Chris, you don't understand some of the darkness that's in my life. You don't know some of the dark things that I've done. This is the thing. In your darkness, whatever it is, Jesus came to give you light. He actually was called the light of the world because he came to want to illuminate a dark world to say there's hope, there's joy. Whatever you're going through, I'll be there with you. And when you are walking this road, I'll never walk away. And so today, if you're ready to say, I need Jesus in my life. I need his love. I need his grace. I need a new experience with him. I need to feel close to him. I need his whisper. And I invite you to simply pray this prayer. But you don't pray it alone. We pray it together. And you can simply repeat the prayer after me. And I invite you to repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I give my life to you. Jesus, save me. Forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit so I could follow you for the rest of my life. Thank you, God that you are near, that you'll never leave me. You're always with me. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.